Hi, and welcome to the Dewing Grain podcast. Each week, Andrew Dewing will talk you through the current market, giving you up-to-date information and insider advice. He will also be interviewing a leader in the world of agriculture and finishing up with Farm Chat, which includes his favourite bit, where he tastes beer for free. So let's start with Andrew Dewing and his market report. Welcome to the Market Report. What follows is my thoughts or gut instincts of what the market is going to do. It is not an instruction to trade. Any decisions to trade is yours. Market Report for week commencing 27th of May 2019. We're going to start today with oilseed rape. Old crops crept up a little bit, so if anyone listened to my You Better Sell It Now tales of the last two months, uh, yep. Uh, technical point to you but in reality if you'd sold it two months ago and got the money in the bank you'd still be better off but I'm not prepared to admit I'm wrong Uh, so 307x for June July is the value I still don't see why you're hanging on to it new crop uh, has also gone up uh, so 307x for harvest so that's good we are still friendly to new crop oilseed rape feed barley also up and there's a bit of a common theme today everything's gone up so Old crop, feed barley, if you have some left, we will pay 120x farm for it, which is incredibly exciting. It's only £50 off where it was when we were telling you to sell it at uh, October time. New crop has also crept up a diddy bit. We would pay 120 delivered store for immediate movement. If someone wants to sell it kind of July, August sort of harvest-ish movement, you'd probably make about 117x, 118x maybe. Uh, so that's good. And all of this is happening. I mean, I'm going to come on to wheat in a moment. You've underlyingly got a weak pound because of our marvellous government. You've got um, a weather condition. that we've, we've talked about this. I can I can claim glory. We, we said there was a high chance that corn, with its planting problems, would go up in value if the weather kept wet and they couldn't plant the crop. And that's exactly what's happened. There's been a phenomenal rally in corn. It's caught Everybody that's wrapped up in any commodity in agriculture has joined in with the fund. So up she goes. It's taking everybody with them. Now, it's a weather market. Weather markets are notoriously violent, and they will disappear if the, you know, the, the minute the weather comes right or, or we get an, it gets to a price that's just too silly, then it, it, it bursts like a balloon. But right now, upward trajectory, and therefore everything, in our opinion, is still going to be carried along with that. So feed wheat, old crop, 145x for June. Um, that one isn't particularly great. I understand the, um, the the crop size has been written down by the AHDB today. Don't think it makes any difference. Anecdotally, there seems to be plenty of wheat left on farm for us to buy. And premiums for northern mills have come down to be trading around the same price as East Anglian ones. So there seems to be an abundance of wheat up north for sale from guys who, who've been hanging on to the end. But new crop is the one that's really, really beginning to get the bit between its teeth. The corn is leading, and therefore we've now got X farm for November up to 143. So it's a full 11 to 12 pounds above the low of a couple of Mondays ago. So this is great. Um, I guess we're going to have to start thinking about targets soon. But if you look at the forecast for the States and you look at how much rain they've still got coming through and the pattern of um, the the Pacific flow that's going across, dragging more moisture up into the middle of the states. Uh, it looks like it's going to go on for at least another 10 to 15 days. If that's the case, this really could be quite exciting. So hold on to your hats, we hope. 
but let's set a target perhaps somewhere for selling uh, new crop wheat again. Thank you for listening. Please remember that any decision to trade on this opinion is yours. Crush Foods produces a unique range of single variety cold pressed rapeseed oils. All their seed is grown here in Norfolk. They only press a single variety for its taste and they believe that this is what gives the oil the light, nutty flavour people like. Available in local shops across Norfolk, Suffolk and beyond. Visit crush-foods.com for more information. And now it's time for our feature. Today I've got with me Mark Gill from Coston. Good morning, Mark. Morning. We've had some feedback from uh, some listeners, believe it or not, not my mother, but, you know, a number of the thousands that tune in. Uh, and apparently we don't have enough ordinary farmers on. And that made me think, who on earth is an ordinary farmer? Because <laughs> there aren't many ordinary ones amongst them. And so I'm now in the search of an ordinary farmer. Well, Mark, are you an ordinary farmer? Mm, I like to think we're a bit different from ordinary, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they see, it's, such a, it's, it's either a rude question or, or yeah. people's perception of, you know, are there... Is it, diverse farming. Okay, and you, um, here's a very unordinary thing for Norfolk nowadays, you have a dairy on the farm, don't you? We do. Are you the last dairy in the county? No, there's a few of us left, but we, uh, yeah, we, we're milking 300 and, uh, 320 to 350 cows. Uh, on a New Zealand type system. I think I'm very fortunate that I have a brother who's incredibly passionate about dairy. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, it was a very strong feeling that my father had about keeping the dairy for a number of years when we hit lows. Yep. I think it's been lucky and fortuitous that we've suddenly come out of that position and it's allowed us to reinvest and look at the dairy in a positive way rather than it was another string to our bow and it was another check coming in every month. Yeah, I mean, there was a period where it was a cheque going out, surely, because lots of people left. Uh, 17 pence a litre, which it got to. It was. Uh, at the time, we were lucky enough that we had uh, other sides to our business that were able to support it. Mm-hmm. And I think from our perspective, being a mixed business, we've if one's doing not quite so well, you'd hope the others maybe are propping one up. And I think for a number of years it was the case, but now we're, I think, I hope we're in a, in a more positive way. Mm. And, and you've, you've also now, with one of your diversifications, found a, a, a good thing to do with the poo, haven't you? Yeah, so we've put the AD plant in in 2014. Uh, the, the theory behind it was originally I was approached in two, uh, 10 years ago about doing it and at the time uh, it was purely maize driven and I just couldn't see the viability of doing it and the uh, procurement of land I just it worried me that, that's uh, getting hold of people who would grow maize for yeah you. basically yeah. going yeah. out and sourcing maize and shipping it all around the county just didn't stack up in my mind well, it uh, certainly was popular for a time wasn't it it was and the maize price was good and it affected obviously the dairy industry because obviously then that puts the prices up Mm. Um, and means the commodity is more expensive. Um, from my perspective, this was very early days, and it, you know, to find two thousand acres of maize was unseen in them days. Mm. Um, this opportunity came up, which was an opportunity to use fifty to seventy percent uh, organic matter, being the muck, mm-hmm. um, whether it be dairy or, or turkey or, or any form of muck, 
Um, mm -hmm. It was a, a very positive thing for our business. Um, we were guaranteed a price, and we were we have been guaranteed for the next twenty years what we're being paid, and it and it kept uh, the dairy looking quite strong. Because mm -hmm. um, you're able to pay for the ingredients and everything that came from everything. That, so from whatever came out the end or the what was coming out of the middle probably was make was breaking even at points. I think to be mm -hmm. fair, I think uh, our dairy system's very very tight. I think we don't have staff. I think we've got one tractor and one teleporter, and they do not do well. Right. Um, so our system's tight, but what was coming out of the back end of the cow we knew always was worth a lot of money to our to our farm in organic matter actually mm. we were then generating electricity and getting paid for it mm. um, and 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 very much like the milk check which you get every month we were getting a dairy uh, an ad check and and the byproduct again is still then valuable yeah so we've we've found with uh, with with what's been happening with the straw market that we found that a lot of the straw if we're not using it in the dairy we've been selling off the farm that's great but you've got to put organic matter back on the farm and we've been taught as a business that we always put organic yeah. matter on as much as we possibly can yeah. it's important to us uh, the digest state that came out of the back of the AD plant is uh, has given us the ability to be able to supply both ourselves and our landowners extra organic muck and prove that we can deliver that side of it it also means from our perspective like we're grow we're harvesting a crop of rye this week uh, some idea it's about six foot tall for the mm. ad plant rightly or wrongly whether you disagree with it most of that rye was grown with about 10 units of n right didn't need it because we've you, got yeah. the organic matter going onto the land so we can concentrate our resources onto the wheat crops and the right rape crops yeah. and with uh, min tillages means that the, uh, the the digestate is very much broken down, which means that we're not having to apply slug application because we've not got straw-based muck. It's very much a rotten material. Okay, I mean, there's so many directions from that last little bit of conversation for us to, you know, you go back to when you left school. Do you did you realise just how much knowledge you would you would accumulate in the period of time that you farm? Because lots of this recent stuff is just it, it becomes that equals that plus that and and. Greek that means that can happen it, it's it's all knowledge and yeah you know it, it opens us up I think where the AD plant has had really good beneficials to me as a person is our health and safety for example mm -hmm. we're more aware of what's going on I think a lot of farmers don't necessarily have that infrastructure and haven't been put in the position that they've had to be so conscious of that I think it's um, it's opened our eyes to give us positivity you know if if the wheat market crashes we're not because we've got that check coming in from both the dairy aspect and yeah. the and the AD, we're not for sellers, which I think is quite a positive thing yeah, to it's be. Big, big time spreading, uh, spreading your risk, risk, spreading your income. Um, we decided uh, we decided we're doing a lot of uh, drying of materials. We decided not to go down the route of grain drying, rightly or wrongly, and we're very keen to use uh, use storage in the facility of the future stores. Uh, again, you know. It's something that we've taken as a business that we we would prefer to do that than actually maybe build. You, yeah, you actually outsource your storage, don't you? Yeah. You, you put it into one of our yeah. stores, and you get the freedom to market it when you feel like it. Exactly it at mean, futures it, price instead of farm price. Yeah, it means that from my perspective, I can concentrate on what I'm what I'm got to do, which is the AD, the, the cereal yeah. farming, and, and my contract customers. Yeah, and farming. Yeah, and farming. At the yeah. end of the day, that's what I'm here to do. So, th th your contract customers. You, you know, you mentioned that your, your landowners. You, you have a, a group um, that I think your uh, your dad set up in the first place. Yeah. 
yeah, dad, dad had a, a number of clients um, which are investors or, or people from outside the industry or, or, or just farmers that have decided to um, slow down or, or take other routes in, in life. So, and you, you physically contract farm for them, treat them as, a, as your own kind of little co-op, look yep. after them the same as you look after yourself and everyone Absolutely. shares the spoils. Absolutely, it's imperative. You know, we want, we want to be in farming, we want to be investing. Last week we bought, a, uh, last week, a couple of months where we bought a new spray. We want to be investing in the industry. We, um, we just feel that in order to do so, it's just quite nice to hedge your risks by having a number of different sources. Mm. Um, we've now just opened up a raw milk vending machine on the farm. Yeah, they're it's, cool, aren't they? Yeah. Raw, raw milk. I have history with raw milk, you know. My dad was on the front of the EDP in 1985 fighting to sell raw milk because he used to sell yeah, it from yeah. the farm gate. And they were trying to ban it at the time. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's it's now back in vogue, isn't it? Uh, it's, you know, it's a good... Op- it, it's never... John Boy and my brother and I have never looked at it from a perspective of it making us rich. It's, no, that's that's no, no. not the point. The point is to, to educate people and to mm. people to understand what we're doing as an industry to try the raw product, actually. Because mm. although we're not organic, we don't have organic status, the cows are out six months of the year. Mm. They're on pasture and grassland yep. with very little end because most of that's coming from their dung. Yeah. Um, so it's nice for people to come. And we tend to find uh, half-term summer months a lot busier because obviously parents also want to get their children out of the house. It's somewhere to come down a farm driveway with animals and it amuses them for a good half an hour. So we've been really pleased with it, and it's led on to us selling digestate by the bag for gardens. We've we've had a lot of interest. We've got a lot of gardens who take that to selling eggs and stuff. And it, you know, it, it's opened us up and it's made us open to the public to see what we're actually doing. And I think that's so important. And I think Absolutely. the dairy industry maybe are a step ahead of anyone else um, in that side of it in respect to they are doing a lot more teamwork as farmers. They're, you know, they're getting together, they're having monthly meetings, they're looking at their costings, they're being open and transparent about what they're doing as a business. And Arla, who, we are, who are, is our main supplier, they're wanting us to engage with the public. They're yeah. wanting us to hit tap challenges like with Neroso where you have to collect points. You know, if I, uh, with Spring Fling or do or Open Farm Sunday, which we did last year, it's all positive. Mm. And, and Arla, as an industry of, or, or as a company, have actually been very forward and keen for us to do that. Look, if farmers don't get out there and educate the public with, with facts in front of their faces, showing them physically what they do, showing them the ingredients of these products, then I'm afraid the fake news departments of the, the much bigger hitting you know, veggie groups or the extremists that are out there coming out with all sorts of claptrap. But the only way to actually defeat that their argument is by showing people openly the truth. No, um, well done on that. I mean, doing that is, isn't always straightforward and easy. An example with the with the Open Farm Sunday, we, we think we're not 100% sure how many we had. We think we had about four and a half, five thousand people and we didn't have a problem. Do you know what I mean? The public came in, it was free. It's, it's open to a good cause, and, and I've helped with a number of our friends doing them in the past, and I've always been quite pleasantly surprised that the public actually are sensible. You know, mm. they are, they're happy to embrace farming. They're not here to... I, I thought they were going to be in that tractor stealing keys and, and, <laughs> and probably going in areas where they shouldn't do. I, I did hear one story about someone going into the back of a garden making picnic in someone's house, but actually, from mm. our perspective, they didn't. And, and actually, if... The problem, it, the problem with it is, is it is time-consuming. It's a lot of effort. 
it's a quite a bit of money actually to do it. But from a dairy industry, from an AD industry, from a, an arable farming, it is so imperative that we just give them that them small little snippets of information mm. to take home. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, do, do you when they say what time do you get up in the morning? Do you say four o'clock? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, mate. <laughs> Every day. <laughs> and go to bed when it gets dark and don't watch the telly. Yeah. yeah. No. So are you optimistic? The, the, the future, as we say, you know, we, we, you've got your spread of farming, you've got your dairy, you've got your, your, the side bits making some money. You know, are you optimistic about the, the near and the, and the further uh, distant I future? I think farming as a whole is going is to... I'm very optimistic and I'm looking forward to the future. I think I have reservations about the impact on... On where we're at with with disease and the problems we're going to be up against, that that that's probably our, my biggest concern from an arable farming perspective. You mean, you mean sprays not being allowed, or I, I, I think the biggest concern I have is rotational, being able to spread our rotations and not being too tight with our rotations. I think mm-hmm. we we've got to learn from some parts of uh, East Anglia where you know they are quite, we're we're restricted to what we can grow mm-hmm. and how much we can grow and. As, as wrong as it sounds, looking back now at this May situation, it's got to help us. Um, the livestock industry's got to help us in order to control, for example, blackgrass mm-hmm. um, and be able to spread our rotation rather than rate one in three or four, which some of us might be doing. We need it in one in five because I do think we can still grow it and I think we can grow it well. Mm. Especially in this area, but we've just got to be conscious that Look, I, I'm, I'm aware of some of the guys in. Um, you talk about your, your your rotation. I'm aware of some of the guys in very heavy land, you know, um, Essex or wherever, considering cattle coming back onto the farm yeah. for no other reason than to get rid of the black glass over a period of time. They, they've got to do something they have. urgent, and they have no rotation. We yeah. we have the luxury of absolutely boys' land here and there. Yep, but it, it's yeah that rotation has got to to eke out to five six seven year yeah yeah uh, it's, it's and our cost establishment is you know we're in a f- really good position we can still carry on with our modern our, our our traditional and modern day farming we can still use the cultivators and the plows and in, in, in the way that we farm at the moment we don't in my opinion and it's a, it's opinion that i have we don't want to be going to some of these other systems we want to keep with what we're doing because it actually is working the worrying thing is that unfortunately things like sugar beet are going to be questionable mm. whether there'll be alternatives pit beans for for other food i think that's probably the way to look at it well if the if the factory was in windham you'd go yeah all right then but Cantley's getting a bit of a stretch now isn't it yeah uh, it's and my yields are never going to hit it unfortunately as mm. much as i'd love to be um thomas uh, walcott or somewhere like that where i can hit them targets unfortunately i, I just physically can't and on a good year i might get 75 mm. On a bad year, you get less. And and, I, and actually, from my perspective, I took sugar beet out five years ago. Do I regret it? I do miss sugar beet, but I miss it more sentimentally. I mean, mm. 20 years ago, it was our best farming business. Was, was sugar yeah, yeah, cornerstone. By a country mile. Yeah. Um, mm. It knocked everything to six. Unfortunately, nowadays, um, it's made it's made my life easier dropping it out. I should, probably should it's say It's been this, squeezed it, to, it, to the yeah. nth degree. And from our perspective, we're, we're stronger land, you know, and, and we we are situated more and more closely to Norwich. The network in our area is getting busier and busier. We cannot afford to have muck on the road. We, we just, you know, no, we no. have an accident <clears throat> a week on our roads at the moment, and we have fly tips every other week. So we need to just 
consolidate and do what we do properly and, and try and stick to that. Let's actually, that's, I didn't think about fly tipping. Fly tipping, what's the solution in your mind? I think we just need to keep an eye on where they are and open up, the councils need to open up the places to allow people to take their stuff in rather than actually saying, no, you can only bring one of that. Um, if they were allowing it to have, be open and for people to bring in, it'll save a lot of money by people just tipping it out and us, a lot, us farmers. And I think us farmers have hit a bit of a criticism on it. But for a long while, we've actually been the wrong because we've disposed of it in our own manner and got rid of it, the mm. problem. Um, now, to be fair to the council, when we have a fly tip and we've spoken to them, they're straight out and they'll clear it up. Right. Do you know what? Um, Sparky, as you're known, I really appreciate you coming in and, and doing the podcast. Um, you know, you're definitely not in the ordinary box, are you? <laughs> but if you can lead me towards an ordinary farmer, I'm, I'm determined to find him, whoever he is. <laughs> Thanks very much. No Today in Bat Chat, we have the Bonza Barbecue meat versus veggie test with webby ben josh and blue the dog check out the photos on twitter at doing grain of the food they tried and some of their reactions but for now picture the scene we're outside the office with a disposable barbecue on a wooden pallet and a whole host of meat and vegan options sizzling away i must say the 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 normal burger actually fell to pieces whereas the vegan burger all stayed together one nil to the vegan burger. Yeah, the pallet's the on it, um, fire, Josh. Is it? <laughs> 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 Shall I get some water? Oh, yeah. This... And I'll blow it out. We're, just, out. we're just having a... Webby, don't blow... No. no, you won't, you won't, because the wood's lit. OK, so we just put out a small fire. Oh, it's on fire again. The pallet's on fire again. That's all right, that's the vegan sausage. You need grass on that. Oh, that one's looking well done. Webby's burnt that one. Ian's tried a, Ian's tried a new technique with barbecuing, which is burnt on the outside, <laughs> raw on the inside. Well, that's his normal barbecue. <laughs> Webby, I think you better take some of those off, because yeah. they're definitely burnt. So we're now uh, back inside uh, decamp Josh's extinguished the flames on the pallet outside. And uh, we've got our grub in front of us, but before that, we're just going to... Uh, crack the can of a what's a moon gazer jackalope it's a ben you'll like this it's a ginger lager well done webby get the ginger <laughs> joke in while you can and meanwhile i'm going to stare at these platefuls of burnt vegetables that you've prepared for oh, us hang on josh josh can take the credit for that but anyway yeah, well um, i went inside and then came back outside and he didn't burn them all but yeah it's my fault to be fair <laughs> very gingery. actually that is nice that's refreshing it's probably not as sweet as a normal ginger beer, as in yeah. an alcoholic ginger beer, but I think I'd rather drink that than ginger beer. So, no, please with that. But, right, so uh, now to the main event. What are we going to start with first, guys? We've got the... Start with your favourite, the sausage? Veggie sausages. I've got to say, in the packet, they did look particularly unappetising. Yeah, they looked very grey. <laughs> yeah. Very pale. Are we going to do this? But now blind? they're, we now they're black. They look really appetising. <laughs> <laughs> are we? How are we going to do this? Is this going to be a blind tasting then? So are we going to? Uh, or are we just going to go for it and see what we think? Let's go for it. Okay. Right. We'll go for the veggie one first. Then it's not bad. It's a long way from a normal sausage. 
Yeah, I mean, I if you want me to be honest, I'm getting a bit of falafel there. Yeah. Which is, uh, yeah, okay. Initial first taste is like, it's, um, God, you'll never talk me away from meat because I don't think I'll ever find a substitute. <laughs> but it's the first time I've seen Ian's vegetables all year, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> but Very yeah, no, fair. I'd agree. Falafel, just a nice burnt one. No, but, it, but it is scary that they are getting close. Mm. You know, it's... Um, they are. Technically, also, I have an issue that it isn't a sausage, is it? Because it's not meat. It's a veggie lump in a, in a condom, isn't it? <laughs> but to be fair, the, the consistency isn't too dissimilar from the they're, sausage. Yeah, they're good, yeah. yeah. So, Okay, so this morning I actually just went to Sainsbury's and bought all these things. And um, I basically went for the most boring and basic sausages, the most boring and basic burgers... I want to be fair, but well, the vegan sausage is "Love Your Veg" by Sainsbury's, and it's um, it's a mushroom sausage. Right, let's get on to the main event. Um, so we've also got a veggie steak. What was interesting was that um, some of the bur- some of the veggie burgers were were bleeding on the barbecue, which was very interesting. Mm, we can see that still now. blood on them now, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, I think it's technically beetroot juice, but anyway. Yeah, this. Oh no, that's like cardboard. That's, that's terrible. <laughs> I'll handle the sausage, but I wouldn't eat this again. Doesn't taste like a burger. Yeah, it's an inter- it's interesting. I'm not as upset about it as Webby is. But oh no, I'd, I'd take the, it, the veggie sausage over the burger every day. Yeah, this is a veggie steak, and I think it's actually from Denmark, full of soya. So I doubt that's grown in this country. It's not pretty. It's like cardboard. It's like cardboard. It's oh burnt. Burn cardboard. You can't even eat that. That is. That is <laughs> oh, right. Oh, uh, oh, okay. One of them is basically is, black on the back. So that was a veggie steak. Is this the veggie burger? This is the veggie burger. Okay. Yeah. Can you try it? Can you slice me off a bit of that one? Yeah. Well, I'm just going to have that in a. Claire's going to be really angry with us because this microphone's getting incredibly greasy. <laughs> <laughs> well, look at that. Enough ketchup, Ben. <laughs> Trying to give it some flavour. Um, it's just. Oh, it's as bad as a veggie steak. This is the P one. Veggie burger is um, well, it's dry. I mean, we might have overcooked it. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, not much flavour. Still middle in the pink. Um, it's a pea protein one, which I think this one is Danish. I mean, when you bite into it, it does look like it's meat based. Strange, it tears apart mm. like a burger. Quite impressive what they've done with it. I, I still sort of dislike the concept. Uh, Trying to make something that looks like meat and tastes like meat that isn't meat. I wonder what the uh, what the dog thinks of this, Josh. Can I give it some <laughs> of the burger? Can I pile on the rest of the Blue. Yeah. Oh, here we go. Blue's Good gonna girl. go for it. What do you think? Oh, I thought I thought that was gonna <laughs> oh. come out. <laughs> oh, it is. Oh, it has. Oh, she oh. didn't like that. Now this, this is a true test of a burger. Yeah, I don't. I don't, I don't think they talk like that at all. To be honest, <laughs> not like a normal burger. Having not eaten them before in the past, mm. I'm guessing they've probably improved quite a lot over the last couple of years, and they're getting closer and closer to the real to the real McCoy. They certainly on the inside, on the inside anyway, they look like meat, and they bleed, so they're getting there. But that's not really the important thing to me for a burger. It's more how it tastes, and they're nowhere near. Yeah, no, I would agree. Yeah, the taste is. I mean, it didn't help that we burned some of them, but uh, yeah, no, they were. Yeah, it's not a bad effort, and I'm sure. Over the next year, they're going to greatly improve, aren't they? I think we'll try Sainsbury's Basics Burger. Oh, look, look at that. Look at the way that cuts. Oh. <laughs> this is like food porn for you. <laughs> that is, that's how burgers should taste. It was lovely. Absolutely leagues apart. I'm really pleased with that, actually. I'm, I'm very pleased for the, uh, for the beef industry in general. Mm. Because it's, you know, it's right. They're, they're 
proud in producing what they produce and it's flavour that counts and yeah there's a very very distinctive difference and it's the only one out of all of these that has actually produced in the uk so think about the air miles yeah how can something in the uk produce more methane than something or co2 that has been thrown across from denmark or come over in a boat i don't i don't know how it'd get here but uh <laughs> i love the fact blue is now dribbling on the floor mm. watching oh, ian watching is. ian eat a proper burger she's definitely not getting the real thing <laughs> no blue tough that is uh that is one dog that but, knows real meat not just, over the sausages, Blue. Just, that's actually a good point. So we've just eaten a load of vegetarian sausages and burgers. And stuff. The dog couldn't care less to sleep on the floor. Now there's an actual burger. She's just <laughs> drooling and loving it. So. so the question is, if it was on a menu and you had a normal veggie burger versus a normal standard burger, would you ever consider the veggie burger? No. You no mean, chance. Yeah. So Yeah, 3 nil. I agree. But... We're not vegetarians. We all love meat. I mean, I think the veggie stuff has come on leaps and bounds. Be interested to do this in an, you know, well, another two years' time or something. It would yeah. be, yeah, fascinating. I've got a nice anecdote for you here, Ian. I once went to a barbecue, and basically there was one vegetarian at the barbecue. And when she approached the barbecue, um, she said to the guy doing the barbecue, "Do you have a veggie option?" And the bloke looked at her, looked at the barbecue that was covered in sausages and burgers bent down, picked up a handful of grass, chucked it on top of one of the meat burgers, put it in a bun and said, that's as veggie as it gets. <laughs> I bet he made a friend that day, didn't he? <laughs> so it's, it's quite interesting doing this. I think we should kind of spread this out over the ag sector as a whole. I mean, we did, uh, what was the previous taste? We did the non-alcoholic beer versus the alcoholic beer last week. Now we've done this. What about milk? I think milk would be an interesting one. We can go for raw milk versus... Soy milk. Yeah. Or whatever other milk. Oat milk? Well, it's loads yeah. of milks. Almond milk. Almond yeah. milk, yeah. So I think that would be another good one. We'll get And let's be a bit diverse. We're not just here about <laughs> straight cereal farmers. We're trying to appeal to farmers in general. And let's get a dairy farmer on here. So there's a couple of, unfortunately not many now, but a couple of Norfolk farmers and uh, dairy guys will try and get one of you on. So... Um, Keep your ears peeled, peeled and wait for the phone call and hopefully we'll try and uh, yeah, press upon you to get you here. Look forward to it. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to get new episodes as they're released. Dew and Grain are independent and local grain traders. From seed supply to harvest movement and storage contracts, we can supply you with the best strategies help you achieve the highest prices for your harvest. Call now on 01263 731 550 or email info at dewinggrain.co.uk or follow us on Twitter. We are at dewinggrain. The Dewing Grain podcast is produced by Tinshed Productions in conjunction with East Coast Design Studio. 